Hello, Bob here. Now, I have trouble using words like branding and rebranding non-ironically. However, the fact is that my podcast, The Right Show, is about to undergo some rebranding, and so is Blogging Heads TV, the YouTube channel that the video version of the show appears on. So I thought I'd give you a heads up. Starting in late June, the YouTube channel will be called Non-Zero, and so will the podcast. Now, technically, the podcast will be called Robert Wright's Non-Zero, so you'll find it under R in any alphabetical list of podcasts. Meanwhile, my Substack newsletter's name will not change. And since its name is already Non-Zero, that means that we are witnessing a case of brand unification. Three brands are becoming one. My content is becoming less confusing in at least this one sense. So what does this mean for you? Not that much. If you already subscribe to the YouTube channel or to the Right Show podcast, you'll be automatically subscribed to the rebranded version. And by the way, if you're not already subscribed to both, you should take remedial action immediately. And make sure you're subscribed to the non-zero newsletter too. Now, I have to say, I will be sad to see the name Blogging Heads fade into the background. I started the Blogging Heads TV website in 2005, along with Mickey Kaus and Greg Dingle. And I will always be proud of our vast and rich archives, which, by the way, will still be available at www.bloggingheads.tv. And actually, for the time being, new content will be posted there in addition to on YouTube. So the site won't immediately turn into just some kind of museum. Speaking of Mickey Kaus, the Friday podcast I do with him will still be in the right show. That is the non-zero podcast feed. And the paywalled after podcast podcast I do with him each Friday will still be available at patreon.com slash parrot room and also available to paid subscribers of the non-zero newsletter. And I very much recommend the parrot room. So I close with this guidance. If you see something called non-zero and you don't already subscribe to it, subscribe to it. And if you want to rate and review and click the like button and stuff like that, so much the better. Thanks. And I will see you soon in non-zero land. Hi, Mickey. Hey, Bob. And I don't... She is. Who's the woman? The person. She's like, you. Not a woman, Bob. <laughs> oh, no, I guessed wrong. Um, it, lo it looks like, are you sure it's not a woman? You sure it's not somebody who's... This, who's... Is, this is the famous Leave Britney Alone video. Well, who is that person that I mistook for a woman? Here. Now, now that this person is crying. This is the famous video of a Britney Spears fan saying people should leave Britney alone. Not famous enough for you my never purposes. never seen that? No, I pretty much, I'm pretty much stay out of the Britney ecosystem. This is one of the golden oldies. This is about eight years old, my guess is. But anyway. Oh, I, I probably knew flash. it one time. So I had this flash of why is everybody hating on Biden, okay? He's... <laughs> Uh, I mean, no, I mean, he's, just, he's, he's harmless now. He's a zombie. He's an old man whose domestic agenda is stalled. The major domestic problem is inflation. He can't do anything about that. He's already fucked that up. It's out of the bag. It's up to the Federal Reserve. It's not his job anymore. What, how, much damage, totally how, much agree, damage, how much damage can he do? I mean, let the guy do his doddering old thing and don't vote for him again, my God. But... Uh, but uh, why the hate? Why the hate? That's what I don't understand. Well, are you talking about Republican hate or Democrat? I mean, speaking Both. the public, it, the public turned on Biden when the Afghanistan withdrawal went bad, and they've never let up. They well, don't like him. They don't like anything he does. Speaking as a Democrat, the reason that I'm critical of him is I don't want him to run again. I want people to realize he's a horrible candidate. He's not doing a, a great job by, by for my money. But he's beyond that. He's just a horrible candidate. I want the world to know. And and, and by the way, this latest one of the latest uh, sources of outrage is pretty egregious. I mean, after during the campaign, 
He promised that he would make Saudi Arabia a pariah state as it should be. And, you know, he's going and sucking up to Mohammed bin Salman. You know, uh, there's one uh, wrinkle on that. What is apparently they will now support a ceasefire in Yemen, which seems to be a big concession that he got from them, which might save a lot of lives. Huge, huge concession. Hey, Joe, I've got another idea. Why don't you just say we'll quit giving you weapons? Which is, by the way, another thing he, he he did not deliver on in the campaign. He said, he said, well, uh, I'll start. Well, after in the early presidency, he said we are we are no longer delivering any offensive weapons to Saudi Arabia. And some of us said, wait a second, pretty blurry line between offensive and, and defensive, right? And and a government accountability office report just came out establishing. That, that the Biden administration never has still not developed a clear definition of what they mean by defensive and offensive for purposes of regulating the weapons sent to Saudi Arabia. But look, if he wants them to, uh, to cease and desist in Yemen, he's got plenty of leverage. No more military support. Why are we such chickens? It's just ridiculous. Foreign policy is the one area where he still can do good or damage. I mean, that's... He, he's he, he and so my but my in general i mean with ukraine we should be i mean he's basically done okay hasn't he he's been no, so, we no, should basically no. we should support his efforts no you don't think so okay i mean first of all he made no serious effort to avoid the war diplomatically secondly um you know you said that uh there's nothing you can do about inflation leave it to the fed well actually the longer the war goes on, uh, the worse it is for inflation. That's one thing, especially uh, if if you can imagine some degree of lessening of the sanctions in in the wake of the war, which may or may that's not be good, the case. That's a good point that nobody makes. Well, it's true. And, and and what is his position on the war? At least publicly, his position is: we'll just keep giving you weapons, and you you persist in this completely futile quest to uh, rid every inch of your land of Russians. Don't you understand? We're going to humiliate Putin, Bob, and that will send a message to the Chinese to lay off Taiwan. Remember remember those days two weeks ago when the neocons were riding high and we were going to humiliate Putin? Yeah, I, f- I forgot about that. But um, uh, yeah, so- no, things aren't, you know, it, it's looking more than ever like if we're not having a talk with Ukraine about a peace settlement, we have to have a talk with him. There's a good piece uh, by this guy, Daniel Davis, uh, former lieutenant colonel in the U.S. Army, and um, we summarize it in today's non-zero newsletter. But his, he, he's been saying for a while, like, you don't understand. I mean, Russia does have the capacity to destroy Ukraine and if they want, and Ukraine needs to rethink its strategy pronto if it wants to uh, hang on to like Kiev, Odessa, and so on. You know, it's not going to wind up winning the war in the Donbass. I thought their hope was to degrade Russia enough in the Donbass so they don't have the strength to take the rest of Ukraine. Um, it may be. Look, I'm not, a, I'm not an expert on this stuff. This is, this is um, his argument. That may be their plan. But see, what I worry is that what their plan is actually subordinate to is what they they what image they think they need to project to keep getting Western weapons, as opposed to you know the kind of intrinsic value of the plan. Well, and, I, I assume that the, 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 but their message now is we're in deep trouble. We need weapons immediately, and that's different from the we're you know we're we're routing the Russians. So that's suddenly, yeah. at least more realistic. Yeah, it's kind. Of, it's uh, well, it seems to be realistic. I mean, Davis's argument for some time has been that they need to fall back and establish, you know, just beyond the Donbass, defensible lines. Right. Uh, right. And he knows more about this stuff than I do. Right. But uh, yeah, you're right. No, we got a huge ask now. Yeah. What they want? We've sent them about a hundred howitzers. Yeah. They want a thousand, yeah. and so on down the line. Uh, the- but you know, domestically, Biden has been reduced to the stage where, in 1988, remember that famous outburst where he said, "I have a higher IQ than you do. I graduated in the top of my law school class. I got three degrees." But that was and, all true, and, wasn't it, Mickey? Uh, 
Up to a point, Bob. Uh, it was <laughs> so uh, re- it only was, regular viewers and listeners know that it was not true. And Mickey, four is happy. of the five claims were bullshit. And it, it, but it, now he's just spewing bullshit. Uh, you know, whatever happens, he says the idea that the rescue plan caused inflation is bizarre. Why we have a lower inflation rate than the rest of the industrial world? No, we don't. We have a, one of the higher inflation rates. It's just he just. He, he's re, he's reduced to the the, the old Biden of just uh, just bullshitting, uh, and I just think it's hard to hate that. He, it's sort of pathetic. I oh, mean, I don't hate him. I don't hate him. I don't dislike him. He seems a very likable person to me. I, I don't dislike him the way I do some politicians. Um, That's I, and but you know he he he, he it, cannot be allowed to run again I, I i hold out the possibility that there is an unpleasant side to him that involves uh a certain amount of corruption involving his son hunter and it's expecting not, it's not expecting to get his beak wet as the head of the family it's not impossible uh, uh but um the the, sh- the the he's not heeding our our advice from last week at least my advice which is if you're going to pivot after the election, pivot now before the election. Uh, you know, if, if after the election, Clay is going to leave and you're going to have a new broom in the White House, bring on the new broom now. I mean, what what do you have to lose? You would think. But I don't know. He's got a tough, regardless of how responsible he is or isn't for inflation, this is a tough thing for him to beat. I mean, this is Pulse show. It's overwhelmingly the main issue on the mind of, yeah, but 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 you know Reagan was in the same position. The Fed cracked down about the same point in his term, right? Yeah, but but he and turned he the corner. That. He turned the corner before the '84 election. I think it was the worst, as I recall. Well, right. it, well Biden has two and a half years before the next election. Well, well, I was thinking about the midterm first. The midterms, but, he's not going to. No, that's not going to make it. But. Um, you know, it's possible, but uh, remember, with Reagan, we were already in trouble when he assumed office, I think. You know, wasn't the trouble beginning? The, because the big trigger for the inflation, the the oil issue had happened during Carter's. Well, sure. Carter was Carter was the misery index and right. the inflation was quite high. Yes. I, so um, I think we, we'd be lucky to have a turnaround within a couple of years, a clear turnaround within a couple of years. The, but I don't know. The weird thing that's happening is... Uh, the Democrats are not doing that badly in the recent Senate polls. Uh, Fetterman is ahead by eight points in the latest poll in Pennsylvania. He's, I mean, maybe the, the stroke is getting, he had a stroke. Maybe that's getting him some sympathy. Is he but, out there in public or is he no, still not yet. He's talking on Zoom. Mm. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, Herschel Walker is tied uh you know, tied in Georgia, and every day we discover he has a new child. What is it, three now? Which would it's be either, it's either two or four. I haven't figured out what the latest is. I, but. I heard three at one point. The, the I mean, these are kids we didn't know about, and, and apparently one of his uh, little sermons is about the importance of responsible fatherhood and having a father around the house and so on. Well, he's clearly the father of the year in some respects. In, in yeah, in sheer output, yeah, in volume, and, yeah. Um, oh, uh, uh, but yeah. Anyway, so he he has a good chance of losing, and uh, so wait, in, wait. in North good, Carolina yeah. they were also behind. The Republicans were also behind. So, so what could the Democrats conceivably uh, yes, hang on to the could. Senate? Yes, they could. That, that would be pretty amazing. That would make me happy. Uh, um, so wouldn't make me happy. But um, the uh, as you know, I'm a two issue voter. Uh, the other thing that's interesting to me is the immigration issue, which was very salient about six months ago, is now, even though the border is being overrun like never before, we just had a record for the month of May, uh, you know, a million people a year are just being let into the country at least. And those are the people that we, we know are being let in. They're the other people who are just sneaking in. Uh, the borders are porous like never before, and it is... A big issue to voters, but not as big as you'd think. It's like a second-tier issue, like in like uh, abortion and crime, but it's not like inflation. Inflation is like way above it. And I think uh, two things are happening. One thing is 
uh, without photos, it's not a huge issue. In other words, when there were photos of uh, you know, thousands and thousands of Haitians camped under that bridge in Texas on the news every night, it became a big, big issue. And Mayorkas has been smart enough that he puts the people on buses in the middle of the night, ships them out all across the country, and there are no photos of masked, uh, masked people at the border, although the media could get them, but the media is complicit and they're not they're not going to publicize it unless they have to because they're on Biden's side and they're on, uh, you know, pro-immigration side. Uh, a, a friend of mine says, uh, if you're in Texas, you know it's happening. It's in all the local papers. It's just the national press doesn't take the clips that they could get from the local press in Texas and put together a story. Now, did you say a million a year coming in non-illegally? Correct. I guess you could call that legally, couldn't you? They, they, you mean, and you mean uh, for, on the southern border? Yes. Not from everywhere? And, yeah, and they, what they, is, they're on the southern border and they're from all sorts of countries, not mainly from, I think it's only half from you know Latin America, from Mexico and Central America. They're coming from all over the world. Biden has basically invited anybody to take their shot, come and apply for asylum, and they'll probably get in. And the world is taking him up on that offer. And, you know, he's he's letting many, you know, 100,000 a month, basically, uh, in. So, so the millionaire, it's basically asylum cases? Correct. So basically. some of them may not stay. I mean... No, they'll all stay. Even if they lose their cases, they stay. So some of them will stay it, illegally. It, it takes them... Yeah, it takes them years to adjudicate the case. And then if they lose... They don't get deported, so they stay. Yeah, it's not the end of the world. They're waiting for the next amnesty, which you know who who knows when that'll but, be. But to some extent, isn't this kind of what the current law requires us to do? Um, I don't th think so. Uh, the uh, it wasn't happening under Trump. Uh, the uh, he could use the uh, Title Forty Two more vigorously. He's not only using it about at half strength. Uh, they've loosened the asylum criteria uh, uh, so they could in, you know, enforce that. They, you know, they, so Biden has they, made if, it if easier. If you're worried about gang violence or getting beaten by your husband, that's not traditionally grounds for seeking political asylum. You have to be persecuted because you're you know, a Uyghur or because you're a Democrat or because you're, you know, some, for some reason. Uh, and the third thing is, uh, you know, we don't have to release them into the country pending their cases. You could hold them uh, either in Mexico. That program was very, very effective. The Remain in Mexico program uh, had, I think, almost 100,000 people in it at one point. Uh, anyway, tens of thousands of people were sold. Were told, uh, yes, we'll hear your asylum case, but wait wait in Mexico until, until you hear. And when that happens, they don't come because they don't want to wait in Mexico. They want to get in here. Uh, or we could detain them. And, you know, Obama had built uh, capacity to detain people uh, and that got shut down by the courts. So, but you could uh, attempt to detain more people so that they wait out there, uh, you know, they wait out there, uh, wait for the hearing uh, in detention, not uh, by working in the United States. So um, there are a bunch of things that Biden could do that he's not doing. So, but, uh, and you're and, saying he he did actually like on paper loosened the the requirements. Oh yeah, like, there was a, a, a there was a sessions put through a rule called in the matter of A B, which basically said we're tightening the asylum criteria, and and Mayorkas reversed that. The, the 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 glitch in what I'm saying is, uh, you have to get the administrative judges to get tougher. Uh, they um. They, they, they traditionally, you know, there's this initial determination of, uh, do you have, uh, you know, reasonable, I'm using the wrong word, but reasonable cause to fear being persecuted if you go back. And, 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 and they were, they, they, you know, they grant 70% of those. Mm -hmm. And, and Steve Miller, uh, was trying to get it down to 60 or 50%. And that's very tough because the, the asylum judges are tend to be liberals. They have a lot of independence, some of them, uh, and uh, so it was. It was. It was hard to do, uh, and uh, so th there's that. There's that glitch. Even if you change the criteria, the judges are human beings, and they may, you know, grant it anyway. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, well, if it's uh, if it's what you say, I don't <laughs> necessarily love it. But uh, I, and I would say, if it's what you say, they should be able to cut a campaign ad that if Biden runs for re-election, uh, will will not help him among some voters at least. I don't know. Yeah. Well, oh, I'm sure they will cut that the ad. But um, the other thing that's happened, the other thing, I mean, you could negotiate with Mexico to get them to crack down. And, mm-hmm. and apparently Governor Abbott did that in Texas. Yeah. He, so, he sort of talked about violations of the Logan Act. I mean, he he shut down the, the truck traffic into Texas and extracted a promise from the Mexicans to take firmer action. And apparently the Mexicans are actually blocking the latest uh, caravan. So Abbott has had some uh, mm-hmm. success. Uh, so, and Trump had huge success. He threatened to put tariffs on Mexico and uh, and scared them into blocking. And so, it, there are a well, whole bunch of things. That, but but even that is better than amnesty. Even you know, even Biden letting in as many people as he can for two years is not going to permanently change the face of America the way an amnesty would permanently change the face of America. And he's not going to get through an amnesty. So, you know, how much damage can he do? Well, I was I was about to say before you mentioned Mexico that it kind of makes you think that maybe he should have, uh, you know, with this summit of the Americas thing that America hosted, this kind of, I guess, more or less annual thing that this year is in America. Biden should have, rather than do do his little virtue signaling uh, by excluding, you know, whoever Venezuela, Cuba, and thus setting off a big controversy and uproar and pissing off Mexico. He should have just said, hey, if you're in the Americas, show up and we'll talk and maybe we can talk about some actual issues. As, as it is, uh, several leaders, including the president of Mexico, boycotted it. Um, Why don't they virtue signal by saying people shouldn't be in the United Nations? Obviously, when it comes to the UN, they have a realistic view of who gets to come representing various countries where the leader isn't democratically chosen. Wait, you're, wait, you're saying why not? Why don't they say a bunch of countries shouldn't be allowed in the UN? Well, we a country is a country for UN purposes. If you're Correct. if you're I was about to say that. If you're Maduro in Nicaragua, right. you you represent Nicaragua, you get a seat at the UN. Why shouldn't that also apply to this summit of the Americas? I agree. Why? I mean, and you if just... you're if you're an inveterate virtue signaler, why don't we go crazy with the virtue signaling and say kick Nicaragua out of the UN? Right, uh, yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, go one way or the other. I yeah, well, look. I mean, obviously, I, the good. I guess the one positive development I see lately is is just becoming clearer and clearer to more people that this whole framing and it's the central theme of his foreign policy global struggle between democracy and autocracy is a big mistake. I was listening to this super blobby podcast uh, and. All of these like blobheads were agreeing <laughs> like it's it's this is this is not working out. And um, you know, it, it's like it's like the 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 LA summit, the um the Saudi sucking up to this was what they were talking about, is how embarrassing it is that he's going over and sucking up to MBS. But there's also there's a good piece by Stephen Wertheim in the Atlantic. Uh, about making a point that, granted, I made in my newsletter uh, two months ago, but still, uh, good that these things eventually make their way into the Atlantic. That 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 this is it's a bad framing for the Ukraine war to say, oh, this is about the struggle with autocracy. No, it's better to frame it as the problem is it's a violation of the sovereignty so, of Ukraine. So you're saying the blob has turned against the Blinken frame of making it democracy versus autocracy. You're, you're hearing more skepticism about it. I'm not sure everyone's gotten a picture like this, you know, this podcast with uh, a different one, Tommy Veter and, and Ben Rhodes, Pod Save the World. Again, they like think they're not part of the blob, but I have bad news for them. Of course, Ben Rhodes uh, coined the term, but it's like you hear them complaining about every kind of particular manifestation of this war on autocracy thing. They complain about uh, the the summit of the Americas. They complain about us not changing policy on Cuba. And they lament what it, how egregiously hypocritical it now looks for him to suck up to MBS. 
But if you go back and listen to that podcast before, right before Biden took power, they were just looking forward to this global war against autocracy. These two guys, they had Tony Blinken on and sucked up to him as he told him he was going to declare war on autocracy. Uh, you know, so some of these guys, I don't think those two guys yet, the nickel has dropped yet, that they were just wrong about this. But there is more and more skepticism. They were. They, the hypocr hypocrisy about Cuba was built in. They never had any intention of waging a war against autocracy in Cuba, right? Uh, who didn't? The, the blobbers. I mean, the, 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 well, Tommy Veter and, and, and Ben Rhodes were not about to wage a war against autocracy in Cuba in order not to be hypocritical. Well, right. I mean, they would have favored, you know, loosening the policy toward Cuba, at least to the point that it was at in the Obama administration, right. which they were part of. But I mean, they just hadn't really thought it through. That's the whole thing about, you know, this thing comes from two sides. You got the neocon democracy promotion, and then you got the progressive version of it. And I think most of the progressives, it's just an abstraction. They just think they have to say something idealistic. Do you think it was affected by Trump? In other words, if they could wage war against autocracy, that let them merge domestic policy and, and foreign policy because Trump is an autocrat. We're waging war against autocracy at home and we're waging war against autocracy abroad. So it's just a big war against autocracy I, across I the board. I think at that level, yes. And, and also the specific Russia angle, another piece we summarized in the non-zero newsletter today is this piece in Jacobin. Uh, where this guy, uh, I can't, it's it's one of these foreign names that I wouldn't do a good job of remembering. I'll, maybe I'll find it before this is over, but he's well-known writer, Jacobin. Um, and uh, he, he just, you know, basically blames Hillary for ginning up uh, Russiagate and in the process, turning a bunch of liberals into cold warriors, you know, into, into Russiaphobes. Uh, and I, and I think amazing. that's right. I think that's that right. That has been amazing to watch. I agree. It's one of the stunning things of the past year. You could see um, it happening during the Trump years. You could see exactly the way it was working yeah, and the yeah. way some people were working it, like trying to make it happen. Yeah. Um, I think we should talk about the January 6th hearings. They, they, they could be being more effective than I expected hmm. because uh, you know, maybe they are behind the slight uptick of the Democrats in the polls uh, and, and major uptick in the Senate polls. Is there an uh, uptick? I didn't know. Well, the, I, if you look at the generic ballot, it's ticked a little up toward the Democrats. They're still behind. The most recent poll had it tied. Well, a tie goes to the Republicans, but uh, the Republicans are always a couple points behind. So if they're tied, that means they're a couple points ahead. But uh, the um, but yeah, there's a bit of slight uptick, uh, and and. Uh, I, I expected it to be a complete nothing, and there, you know, the the film was my, the film was pretty effective. There have been details that I didn't know about uh, that have been sort of shocking. I was surprised. First, I was surprised that Pence didn't refuse the car to leave the Capitol because he thought that was part of the plot was mm. to was to get him out of the Capitol so he couldn't fulfill his duty. I want ammo, not a ride. Oh, no, that's and, somebody else. Yeah, and, and, the, well, the, and the second thing is he was worried that they were going to kill him. Uh, the, well, the, um, wouldn't you be? Well, but the Secret Service comes, I mean, that's like a plot out of Hollywood. The Secret Service comes with a car, and Pence told the Secret Serviceman, I trust you, but you're not driving the car. I don't trust the guy Seriously? who's driving the car. Wait See, Pence said that, yeah. Uh, apparently, uh, he but he didn't mean that the the driver was going to be on a plot, did he? I assume that that's what he meant. Maybe our listeners can correct us, but I uh, maybe I'm taking. So wait, it wasn't an act of courage. It was an parallax act of, view of things. It, so it wasn't. It, I it mean, was the way both. they're playing it is no. I, I I do not want the world to see the vice president, uh, you know, running for his life. I will stay here and fight to the death. But you're saying it wasn't that. It was more like. I'm well, they, afraid it, of getting in a car. Uh, it was it was all those things, I think. Well, wait. I mean, there was no there was no there was no well, point where he had to choose among have, them. Which would have taken more courage, though? I mean, given the way he was sizing things up, which did he think? Oh uh, yeah, no, it does diminish, the risk it, it diminishes the courage. Yeah, a little, but it's still pretty courageous. I mean, 
Uh, yeah, I, look, I'm I. He certainly in my it, you know for my money coming out looking good. The chances that the, the chances that the car we're going to take him to visit Jimmy Hoffa's body in New Jersey <laughs> are pretty slim. Uh, By the way, I I always take such opportunities to to uh, recommend Jack Goldsmith's book uh, in Hoffa's Shadow. I think is the name. Great book. Um, uh, amazing. But I digress. Uh, it's just an amazing coincidence. What is that this, that this prominent law professor's uh, stepfather was? Yeah, his his father was Jimmy. The, his yeah. the father who raised him, not not his biological father, was his stepfather was uh, Jimmy Hoffa's right hand man, or, or you know he he was uh, I don't know what the the best term was, but he, he was. And a, suspect, side. and a suspect in the in the murder, I think. Yeah, but I think not. It is. It is. Uh, there's good reason to right, think but that he should. He should no longer be at a suspect. One point, he, at one point, and not even for the murder itself. But the idea would be that he he abetted the murder because they still don't know exactly right. how Hoff had disappeared in the first place. But um, uh, but that's it. Seems not credible anymore that that his yeah. stepfather was involved. Yeah. On January 6th, first I recommend Byron York's column today because it's a very good uh, explanation of why exactly Eastman's plan was crazy. In other words, huh. if there, the, 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 the problem with uh, the, the normal criticism of Eastman's plan is if there really were a dispute among the states and, and they sent two slates of electors, the vice president couldn't just be an automatic, you know, yes, we accept these electors because they're two slates. They're two competing slates. So what he has to choose or somebody has to choose. He has to throw it to the Congress to choose or so, something has to happen. It's a defect in, 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 the, in the Constitution and the way we run elections. Uh, but in this case, there really weren't two slates of electors from any of the states. They, they, some of the Republican parties said, we're going to set up a backup slate of electors in case we win this election. But they didn't win the election. The courts said they'd lost the election. So, and the governor sent the official, official, official slate. So Eastman really had he had no leg to stand on at all. It's not just a case of, oh well, he'd lose in the Supreme Court. It's just, it was a complete fake case. And in in York makes that point very clear in a way that might even convince some diehard Trumpists. The second thing is I I did a little more research on. Uh, was there a rally planned at the Capitol? In other words, did Trump send the people from the ellipse marching toward the Capitol? And there was, and they were the only thing they could do there was, you know, ad hoc figure out what to do, attack the Capitol, or do. And that is that is not the case. There actually was a a rally plan. They got a permit. There was a whole like the whole plan was to have a another rally at the Capitol. Unfortunately, it was in front of the Supreme Court, which is behind the Capitol. In other words, so the, the, the marchers from the Ellipse would have to walk all the way around the Capitol to the back end of the Capitol where they would have their rally. And the rally never happened because by the time uh, the marchers reached there, the assault on the Capitol was happening. And obviously, they stuck around to see the main show. They didn't go around to hear... Uh, you know, Diamond and Silk give their rap on the Supreme Court step. So if you look at the videos of the Supreme Court, the ones that I found, there weren't a whole lot of people there. They, not many people made it there, but there was a rally. The second thing in my favor, and there's something that's Wait, can not I, can in my favor. Can we back up? I lapsed for a second. You're saying yeah. this was a separate rally? There were two rallies or? The same people planned planned two, two or three rallies. rallies. I think there were three rallies, actually. After the but speech, there was no. There was there was the speech on the ellipse. There was another rally in Freedom Plaza, which is that hideous square in front of 14th Street there, and there was uh, in front of the old post office, I think. And then uh -huh. there was another rally planned later, uh, and it was scheduled for one, and Trump ran over, so oh. uh, he didn't. They didn't. Okay. The, the one thing was it was it was. Overtaken and, by and, events, but and what is the importance of this? The importance is that, that when Trump said "go and peacefully protest," there actually was a peaceful protest planned. Uh -huh. So it wasn't insane that he would think they would peacefully protest. 
it, it, it wasn't that they had nothing to do except be a violent mob. Um, and uh, the, the, other, the other thing is the initial attack by the Proud Boys on the first sort of perimeter line of defense where they just had a line of like 12 cops, uh, there was not a lot of crowd behind it. Okay, they were like maybe a few hundred people, but they weren't really participating. It was a really a very small mob that overcame the first line of defense. Mm-hmm. So the idea that the Trump set these people who provided the the shock troops that uh, uh, overtook the Capitol is wrong. The Proud Boys left early. They got there early. Trump hadn't started talking when they arrived. So Trump couldn't have incited them in his speech because they'd attacked before. Uh, but then there was a second battle on the steps of the Capitol higher up near the door that lasted about at least an hour. And by that fight, the mob from the ellipse had arrived. So your point that mm-hmm. your point that there was a big crowd from the ellipse that provided the the oomph that overcame the police, that is that is plausible for the second battle mm-hmm. uh, at the top. And if you there's a video in the in the January 6th hearing where the, a cop says, look at these people. This is hopeless. We're outnumbered. You know, uh, just take a look at this. We're fucked. Yeah. So uh, you have a point about the second one. The, uh, I haven't been paying close attention to these, although I got to say, uh, I did just turn on the, I was listening to radio and it was on NPR. They're pretty engrossing. The part I was listening to was was actually captivating. Um, but it sounds like one kind of slightly more damning thing for Trump that's come out is how clear it is like how many people like on his staff and and close to him were texting him and like using all means of communication to tell him this is a problem you got to you got to do things that turn down the volume all of this before he tweets mike pence didn't have the courage to do the right thing so it's like it just seems it's somewhat it's a little harder for him to plead something that would have been implausible to begin with, which is that gosh, he had he had no clue that maybe a responsible president would uh try to like, you know, quell this a right. little but bit. What they what they had they show that after the fact he 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 did nothing to quell the violence for a long time, and he may have even fanned the flames a bit. What they have not shown was that he planned the violence that he beforehand, he was in cahoots with Steve Bannon or somebody or the Proud Boys or somebody and said, you know, I want you to go storm the Capitol. Uh, it's possible that that was true, but they've completely, that, but that's sort of essential to some of their claims and they haven't proved that at all. They have enough to impeach him on the after yeah. the riot stuff if they wanted to, but that we knew that before. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, I, mean, so. I mean, as for whether it'll move the needle... I would assume, I mean, this is the total viewing audience is 20 million, which seems to me not that much, given how many people are in the country, given how many networks are covering it. But the Fox has started showing it, right? Which is an interesting thing. Fox News. Well, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Oh, they, they have, uh, apparently. And and I was going to ask you why, but if you if you have a theory as to why, but if you... Uh, well, Murdoch has clearly made a command decision that Trump must go. Because uh, the New York Times, New York Post, had this editorial, which was pretty good, pretty strong, saying, look, Trump's living in the past, let him stay there. Uh, uh, it, it did have this, it, it, had, it had sort of, it got very fuzzy after that. It said, well, there are many, there are many other equally appealing conservative candidates like Nikki Haley. <laughs> like, oh, you know, oh, no, all of a sudden, Trump has a we, you, fresh we, appeal. We are groaning for different reasons, you and me right now, but- We uh, are? Well, I'm thinking for the foreign same policy. You're probably yeah, thinking. Well, that's the, I'm thinking foreign yeah, policy too. Okay. Uh, but um, uh, the point is that R- Murdoch sort of holds hope, out hope in this editorial that there will be a reversion to the old establishment conservatism of Richard Hawes and, uh, you know, uh, I guess Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan, and that's not going to happen. So, did you mean uh, Richard Hawes when you threw him? In, you yeah. know, the the head of the uh, CFR. Yeah. Yeah, isn't he sort of, isn't he the hope of the blog, blob? 
Well, technically, I mean, you might say that by virtue of being the, by virtue of his job, yes. I mean, he would claim that he's a realist. And if you were a true realist, you wouldn't be ne anywhere near the heart of the blob. But yeah, I think he's actually not a true realist. And he is at the, as, at mean, the heart of the blob. <laughs> I mean, he's a nice guy. He's a smart guy. He's smart. He's friends, with, he's he's nice. friends with friends of mine. Hmm. He's a golfing buddy with friends of mine. Oh, is he a golfer? I think so, yes. Speaking of oh, golf. Oh, there you go. You could have a summit. Yeah. yeah. You could have a 19th hole summit. Mm -hmm. Settle this ash once and for all. No, he hasn't been as bad. His writings have not been as bad as others. As some others. Yeah, but... um. The point of the point is they're not going to revert back to pre-Trump republicanism. A Bush, the, the simple thing, a Bush, there's not going to be a Bush, uh, you know, uh, revival in the uh, Republican Party. No, that's true. So and, and, is, there a ch is there a chance that, uh, that Pence will run for president? So I think, why, well, well, what else do you have to do? Of course he's going to run. Well, why doesn't anybody gonna, talk about that? All they talk about is the same. But they know that he has no chance. He has no chance at all, and why is that? No. Uh, I don't know because he's a wooden—he's sort of a wooden character who's only the only basis among evangelicals, and he doesn't have that much to say. He's a very—he's a slick debater because he's a radio guy, but you don't really know who he is, and you don't know what he stands for. Really, will his presence in the race hurt? He's Trump not Trumpy. Will his presence hurt Trump or help? It'll Trump? help Trump because it'll divide the field. This is. Peggy Noonan made two points today, which were good. One goes to your, she says the J July 6, January 6th hearings, the word is getting out, even though only 20 million watched. I don't know about that, but it's plausible. And the second thing is, the important thing is that we that the field not get divided against Trump, that uh, the, uh, the unseen powers have to pick an opponent and have it, have it head to head, Trump versus DeSantis. Because Trump might lose that if it's Trump versus Pence and Cotton and DeSantis and, you know, who, who knows who else, and Nikki Haley and a bunch of other people, well, Trump will win with 35% of the vote. So uh, I think Pence helps Trump by running. So who are you betting on right now as the Republican nominee? Well, John Ellis wrote a pretty good column where he, he, he says, and he doesn't want this to happen, but he thinks, You'd have to bet on Trump, uh, that's and terrifying. and that's certainly who you'd have to bet on. But I think the odds are getting closer to fifty-fifty. Uh, him and, and him and DeSantis. Yeah, and the important. I think DeSantis is by far the strongest opponent. Although I like Tom Cotton, except on foreign policy. Oh God! But I, I don't there, think there I, there is something so wrong with that guy. Keep um, in mind. Cotton did not go along with the January 6th. He did not go along That's with... That's true. He, he, he was very strong from the outset that, that you have to let the electors vote and be done with it. Uh, so that's to his credit. And you know, he didn't... The temptation to cover your ass and fuzz is, is great, right? Yeah. Uh, and, so. and so you figure DeSantis has a better chance of winning the general than Trump? Yes, much better. And Trump's is below 50%. Of yeah. course, we don't know who the Democratic I candidate is. But Trump just, versus Biden, I can't the, believe the, that, the, that Trump wouldn't have a real shot against Biden. I, oh, he certainly has a shot, yeah. I'd, I'd give him more but, than 50%. And DeSantis, DeSantis would have to somehow harness the energy of Trump people. You have to inherit the Trump battle. And if Trump doesn't want to give it to him, that's a big problem. And if Trump wants to run as an independent, that's an even bigger problem. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, I mean, there are things that have to happen. DeSantis has to be a Trumper. He can't be an anti-Trump. Well, he has managed to not be anti-Trump, right? I mean, right. He, he's very careful about that. And his, his affect is, is, is somewhat Trumpy. So he could do that. But, but if, you know, if, if, the, if Trump says, don't go with this man, then... There are loyal Trumpists who won't go with him. So. Well, uh, Trump is exactly the kind who would come out of a tough nomination race saying that, right? Unfortunately, you're right. Um, and is DeSantis in his heart, is he a Trumpist? I mean, just philosophically, ideologically. I don't know. But he's claiming to be one? 
yes, I, you have I don't. To claim to be one. I, I don't. I don't know what his views are on trade. I don't know really know what his on immigration. I think he's been made sort of a lot of Trumpy noises. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, you know, we, we, once there's once there's not that political imperative to be Trumpy, will he will he revert back to something else? I, I don't think there's anything in his past to indicate it, but the uh, answer is I don't know. By the way, speaking Whereas, of trade. And things, whether Biden can or can't do things about inflation, one thing he could do is drop some of the Trump tariffs on Chinese goods. And there are there are rumors that he's actually thinking about that. Right. You heard right, that. And I, uh, right. I, uh, I've read I've read articles that say this wouldn't have much effect. Uh, and he, I don't think he wants for strategic reasons. He doesn't want to do that. Because uh, at, this point, at yeah. this point, he will do anything to waste time until the election where it looks so it looks like he's doing something. Uh, I think you have to see everything as a desperate play to get, you know, five days of good news coverage where it looks like he's taking action against inflation. It's reached the pathetic desperation level. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think the, um, the, I think he has, he has reduced tariffs on solar panels, I believe. So, uh, okay. uh, there, start? Yeah. Um, there, there was a good article by somebody, it was either David Dian or Matt Stoller, pointing out that, I think it was Stoller, and I hadn't realized this, is that the supply chain, not only did, is it subject to the various uh, vagaries of if, you know, if there's an epidemic in China, China shuts down, there's no supply, uh, blah, blah, blah. If there's a war somewhere else, the supply chain is in Ukraine. We get a lot of stuff from Ukraine. That that supply chain is fucked. But um, there also, it creates like choke points where there are only three shippers and the three shippers can collude and raise prices. So it, it creates the perfect sort of oligopoly situation that would tend to lead to higher prices. It's another, I, I, I think the equation of globalism equals inflation is one that somebody should really drive on and hasn't, well, or you think it it's already been driven on. But it can't, I mean, I take your point that it may be that the, the, the system naturally settles into, into a place where there's too much kind of concentration of power, so to speak. In other words, these specific points where if something bad happens there, for one reason or another, there's a bottleneck there. Right. You, you know, the you got a big problem. That could be the case. But if you ask yourself, well, how much would things cost if there were no trade? <laughs> it would be more, okay? I mean, I don't think there's much doubt about that. If you, if you just look at the other, you know, what is the opposite of globalization? Zero trade, okay? And I assure you that a lot of things would be more expensive. Even when robots are, even even when all production is done by robots, it could be in China or the United States, and the robots are developed by, are built by 3D printers, which could be in China or the United States, seems to be then everything could be onshore. Uh, when that paradise arrives and none of us have any useful work to do. <laughs> uh, well, no, when cheap labor is, becomes a minor factor no, it's, in it's, the it's, equation. It's, it's, yeah, you, yeah, you would think, I mean, uh, that's not the only reason that the cost of production varies in different countries, but yeah, you would think that as a, as labor, as a share of uh, production cost drops, one source of the difference uh, between like us and China would, yeah, uh, that, that makes sense. But we do know that right now there are meaningful differences in the cost of production in different countries. And if you say we can't buy any goods from the places where production is cheap, that raises prices. And if you say there's no trade, that's what you're saying. Right. That would be the argument. That, that just was <laughs> the argument, yes. That no, but argument. I mean, we, at, at least the anti-globalists have some argument that says, well, yes, you lead to lower prices until a war happens, and then, then they're countervailing forces. So uh, it, it blunts Well, that's because that's, that's there is trade disruption, yeah. Yeah. Um, I do note that Adidas started this factory... You know, one one reason you might onshore production is because it's more important to be right on top of trends in the home country. Mm-hmm. And even though I think 
foreign factories are pretty much on top of U.S. trends. Adidas started these two factories that eliminated the supply chain. They, they, they did everything in the, in the country. I think they were in Germany. And they've now shut them down. So that experiment failed for some reason. Hmm. Uh, so, uh, Do you remember when the Adidas revolution hit, when suddenly there were these leather foreign athletic shoes in America? Well, I was in high school. Yeah, well, that's what I say. I so still wear good. those shoes. I, Stan Smith's. You, you uh, have, do they still make Stan Smiths? They still make them. I have a, there's a pair sitting right over there. Oh my god! Uh, they now make them of recycled material, so there there's no leather involved. It's oh, all you're kidding. It's all plastic. That's funny so because in junior high, I mean, let me just say, Mickey, I was not from the kind of family that would have uh, bought me those leather shoes that I so coveted, and I wore Converse All Stars, but. But I will say that in junior high, the kids who wore the, well, they would have been fake Adidas. You remember there was a term fake Adidas in junior high. Oh, really? you know? Sometimes they weren't very convincing face. They had fakes, they had four stripes instead of three. But anyway, some of them were not leather. That was like the lowest, the lowest uh, version of, of fake yeah, Adidas. Well, now they figured out a way to charge $90 for plastic shoes. For fake Adidas? Uh, the, uh, if you show up when, if you show up at my gym wearing Stan Smith's, uh, they laugh at you to play basketball. Yeah. And I say, I'm not that good. It doesn't make a difference whether I'm wearing Stan Smith's or the best basketball shoe in the world. I'm still going to play the same. Do you uh, still play basketball? When I can. I mean, I haven't half since, court. I haven't since COVID. Half court. Full, full court sort of knocks me out. Yeah. Half court. I play half court. God, I haven't played in years. Years and years. It's just like, oh, well. We'll talk about the consequences in the parrot room. Speaking of which, we are about uh, at that moment where we start winding it down, we're at, uh, you know, I don't know, close to 50 minutes. Okay, I, will, the, um, I, I will say one, let me give, uh, say one more thing about the Ukraine war, just to follow up on uh, how hard it's going to be for Ukraine to turn the tide in a big way. Uh, you know, like actually regain the entire Donbass and stuff. Uh, I, I hadn't realized kind of until this week that they face a very fundamental problem. Like, you know, I had thought, well, wow, you know, these howitzers are coming in, these multiple MLRS from the from the U.S. are coming in. It's going to really beef up their uh, armamentarian or whatever the term is, their arsenal. Uh, but it turns out they're running out of ammunition for the Soviet era right. weapons right. and the, and there's no no nowhere in the whole world to get it because the eastern european nations have Gave given them, them what they have yeah. pretty much i don't think russia is going to help them out so they're kind they, of there are no factories that make them in the eastern european well, I wondered nations about that i wondered about that but everybody's talking as if not it may be that at one point ukraine made them but i think the russians know where those factories are but, they've already destroyed some of those factories with missiles the um some weapons factories in Ukraine. I mean, doesn't the whole don't doesn't every Arab terrorist militia use Kalashnikovs and are they out of oh, ammunition too? No, but I'm talking too? about our, I'm talking about artillery and stuff. Oh, okay, and, you know, and, I thought and they so were we, losing bullets. I thought they were running out of bullets too. Well, they may be. They they I doubt. I, that's not what I've heard though. It's the artillery, the heavy weapons. The problem is that they got a ton of these things that are suddenly going to be worthless. That, and this is the main the main thing they're relying on right now. Right. And these things are just going to suddenly you're looking at a worthless asset. As I understand right. it, that's a problem. That's how we won World War II. Is it? Well, there's that famous story of uh, we would send we would send a tank over the hill in the in the Germ in Italy and the Germans would destroy it. We'd send a tank, the Germans would destroy it, and they ran out of Destroyers before, before, we, ran out before we ran out of tanks. Yeah, yeah. rope and dope. Um, uh, so, um, uh, good point. The um, so what do I have things to talk about? Okay, why do you do that? Fewer than, we'll I, head... fewer than I thought. You mean you mean um, in the parrot room or here? In the parrot room. Okay, why don't y'all? I'll write this down. What are they? Uh, in addition to exciting news about the child tax credit, which I know you're. <clears throat> Dying. Oh yeah, uh, okay. dying to hear. Uh, Romney unveiled his big plan. 
but I'm still paranoid, Bob. You'll be happy to know. Um, you, you think he doesn't really mean it? Who knows oh. what Romney means? Yeah. He seems to really mean it. But and he's getting a lot of good press from really meaning it, not on the left, but from think tanks. Um, anyway, uh, there's some uh, there's some Epstein news. Oh, uh, there's we, there's a there, there's a continuation of our Epstein argument from last week. Uh, I was is, worrying that we were doing too much revisiting of of uh, old terrain on the Epstein argument front, but you don't think so? I think the the question of was Epstein the only one, or are there hundreds of other Epstein's out there we just don't know about, is an interesting question. How decadent is our ruling elite? Are they, are they really, you know, is Epstein just one sex ring that just got busted and so they've joined other sex rings or, or is, uh, was he sui generis? Hard to believe there's anything quite like him, but okay. But uh, anyway, you say there's Epstein news. That's good. What else? Uh, there, um, uh, I have a Dave Weigel angle that nobody has. Boy, won. that's quite a feat. Uh, uh, um, I know. I think it's a huge feat. Um, there was a there was a very good article about how Stanford has eliminated all fun at college. Uh, I saw that. I didn't. I didn't really read it. Uh, I actually skimmed it. But th this is true. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I could. I could chime in on that. People don't like us talking about articles. We really. We only skim. Uh, Some people don't. You, have, you, you never read know. The you never know how representative the. Uh, Complaining commenters are of commenters at large. You just are, are viewers and listeners at large. You never know. Maybe we should ignore them. Uh, and and I had uh, a, I read Bob. I, I not only read your recent article on uh, this engineer at Google who claims that their their AI has re reached consciousness, mm -hmm. uh, but you said there's another longer article, and you sort of dared readers to reach the end of it. Mm -hmm. And I reached the end of it. So I have things I want to bring up about your you views mean, of consciousness. You mean, uh, you mean the part of my piece that was behind the paywall or the time piece I wrote in 1996? The... No, it was an, you, you referred to a long meaning of life piece oh on my Richard God, Dawkins. You read that? I read that, Bob. Oh, you should I've seek gone, help. I can I've, help. I'll help. I took a deep dive into the mind of That's Bob. That's deep. Because you know what? Look, I don't want to, but that is my, that is my one chance for greatness. If, 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 the, if the genius of that argument is recognized, Mickey, I'm telling you, you're going to be happy. You can say you know me. Well, we can talk about that, Bob. Happy, happy. I'm not you, you, seem <laughs> you seem unpersuaded. Well, I didn't, I, I just need, I had questions that, I, I'm not convinced that I need some convincing. Yeah, no, this so. is about whether. No, I have. Oh, I, anyway, I have. I, 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 on the one hand, I want to maintain my humility. On the other hand, I want to say I have solved a consciousness problem. Okay, <laughs> we'll we'll see about that. Um, uh, and I, 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 I take the stance of I'm, I'm a rube who knows nothing about the history of the debate, and yeah. so I have questions. Now that's. Unfortunately, that seems to be all that I have, except that uh, there's some new insight into the dating habits of Richard Spencer, you know, the Heil Trump guy. Yeah, yeah. But that's like a one-liner. But um, Is her first name Eva? No, it's... Um, and he's not gay. Who? who? Shocking. I, I was convinced I, he was gay. That's commonly How the case. How can you run around in leather with a tiki torch and not be gay. Anyway, okay. But you say this about a lot of people, Mickey. I mean, not the tiki torch part, but you just, as we discussed in the parrot room, your gaydar is pretty sensitive. I perhaps uh, have a lot of false positives, yes. The, um, so, okay, so wait, Spencer, uh, Eva. Um, I don't have, I mean, this consciousness thing could go on a while. I, I may talk a little about the U.S. Open and its connection to this Saudi golf thing. Uh, U.S. Open's going on now. High drama. Um, the uh, 
I will, uh, of course, bring up another New York Times headline that I will say signals the demise of, of the ideal of objective journalism. Got one of those. There's a ton of like interesting comment or uh, comments worth, uh, for, for example, one commenter notes that I, I let pass without inquiry. You're, uh, you're saying that you were once in an event where security was provided by the Proud Boys. And this person rightly asked, Bob, why did you say, what was that event? We'll find out in the Parrot Room. Um, uh, oh, oh, Kurt Gerdel, in what sense was he crazy? This is the incompleteness theorem guy. We have a commenter who's a, uh, actually an expert on that, it turns out. Um, and so on. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk about stuff. Uh, in the Parrot Room at patreon.com slash Parrot Room. People should join us. We will start taping that uh, within minutes of uh, finishing this. It'll be posted later tonight. Anything else, Mickey? No, I am not a robot. No, I am not a robot. Me, me either. And we will see you there.